welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Bridgerton on Netflix. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Julian Davis. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very exciting episode of the Pemberley Podcast, where every episode is exciting to me. I guess we're technically coming back from a two-week hiatus, where one of them was me traveling. I I had some very fun travel plans that were exciting. Now I'm back. The podcast is back. And we don't even have any TV, movie, book things to talk about, because there's a lot of Jane Austen news that we need to cover. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but we record these in batches of three. In between the last batch and now has just been like all of the Jane Austen Regency news. First one that we have been very excited about for a very long time is the theatrical release of Mr. Malcolm's List, which is coming out on July 1st. This has been a movie that I feel like we are personally invested in. We weren't there from the, you were there from the beginning of like listening to the table read of the script. I found the short film years later and then we kind of both synced up as far as like, we're both so excited for this movie. It's very exciting that it's finally coming out. There was this really great Vogue article that showed all these first look images, which are all just beautiful. I don't want to undersell how big of a deal it is, the fact that this movie has gotten made. Because first of all, you and I both work in entertainment. The fact that anything ever gets made is amazing to Mm -hmm. me. Even if it's just like a small little short film, like it's amazing to me that anything gets made. It's not based on a huge piece of IP. I mean, obviously, Mr. Malcolm's List, the book, means a lot to us. The reason so many Jane Austen stories get made is because she's a very famous author and her stories are very famous. Even if people don't know them so well, like, you you just feel smarter for going. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this is not based on huge, everyone's heard about it, IP, it's a period film and it's coming out in theaters is a really big deal. Because the only thing that comes out in theaters these days are big, star-driven action movies. Yeah, it's all like the Marvel movies. It's all like superheroes. It's these huge films. So for something like this to get released in theaters feels more rare now. And we went to this virtual panel with one of the producers, Laura Rister. She was talking about how pre-Bridgerton they were trying to sell this. And it was really tough because as you mentioned, it's period. They got it made. They got the distribution and everything and everything worked out post-Bridgerton. All these people were like, we should have done the deal with you. We should have done this. Because now they saw like, oh, it's such a big deal. So many Regency projects have been greenlit and we're moving forward and we're finally going to get to see them. So that has been the Bridgerton effect. And hopefully that's why it'll be a success too. Moving on to the next, I mean, 15 days later after this comes out in theaters, you'll be able to see Jane Austen adaptation Persuasion on Netflix on July 15th. Yes, and that's starring Dakota Johnson, Henry Golding, Cosmo Jarvis. It has been advertised as a modern take on the story, which at first, like, 
a year plus ago when we heard that we were like is it like she's a new york gal who's trying to make it in the city that's kind of what i woman yeah Mm -hmm. i was like "Uh, i don't know if we we need that then we saw the pictures and it was like oh okay so it's still in the time period somehow it's going to be modern in in some way though so we'll just have to wait and see until that comes out i feel like it's going to be fun because we're going to have these two big july premieres lots of great movies coming out soon another project that we want to cover is the emma project by sonali dave which is now out we have our copies and i mean it's gorgeous as ever the book cover so i'm excited for us to read this especially since the last book felt like kind of a nail biter at the end of it and it involves the same characters and I'm I'm very excited to see how that plays out. Yes, and this is going to be Sonali's final book in the Rajay family series, which has been really great to see how each of these books has developed and being able to see her unique take on each of these Jane Austen novels. I feel like our interview with her was so enlightening about how she approaches doing adaptations. It's really about taking your experiences and reinterpreting that into a new story and reimagining it into a new story. So that's what's very exciting about it. But I actually have the synopsis pulled up here so I can read through this. Emma gets a fresh Indian-American twist from award-winning author Snolly Dave in her heartwarmingly irresistible Jane Austen-inspired rom-com series. No one can call Vanch Rajay's life anything but charmed, handsome, Vogue has declared him California's hottest single and rich enough to spend all his time on missions to make the world a better place. Add to that a doting family and a contagiously sunny disposition, and Vonch has made it halfway through his 20s without ever facing anything to throw him off his admittedly spectacular game. A couple years from turning 40, Nightlina, Nina, Coley, has just gotten out of a 10-year-long fake relationship with Vonch's brother and wants only to do one one thing from her life. Fine. Two things. One, to have nothing to do with the unfairly blessed Rajai family ever again. Two, to bring economic independence to millions of women in South Asia through her microfinance foundation and prove her father wrong about, well, everything. Just when Nina's dream is about to come to fruition, Vanch Rangé shows up with his misguided Emma project and suddenly she's fighting him for funding and wondering if a friends with benefits arrangement that's as toe-curlingly hot as it is fun, is worth risking her life's work for. Wow. It just sounds so juicy. And here's what I'm interested in seeing. Because Nina was a really unlikable character by the end of the last book. I was very staunchly anti-Nina. And so it it sort of surprised me to see that she's our heroine for this one. And I always love a sort of older woman, younger man dynamic, just because I'm like, you go get it, Nina. You know, like you <laughs> like enjoy yourself. But I will say, I mean, I, I loathed Anthony Bridgerton by like two seconds in to the first season. And then he was our hero for season two. And they completely turned it around. Like, yeah. didn't make him a different guy. But just so expertly redeemed him that I'm sure Sonali did the same thing in this situation. Yeah, because I mean, with Nina in the last book, we saw like how much she was using the relationship to her advantage to get ahead in the world. We somehow we have to like her. I don't know, but she's she will become likable. I'm sure. 
Well, it's hard to hate someone who wants to bring education resources to like... She's doing this for good. (laughs) She, it sounds like she, you know, she wants to do a lot of good in the world and she does a lot of nonprofit work and it's, it's hard to hate someone who wants to do that kind of good. But then she was doing things like pressuring Yush. She was manipulating him. She was, she was being really mean to him and making him feel guilty about some things that she really shouldn't have been making him feel guilty about. Yeah. And I know why she feels feels very screwed over i'm here for your like revenge story but i'm like (laughs) "Mm, you kind of deserved it like you kind of like set yourself up to fail i mean now she gets like a hot young literally california's most eligible bachelor i mean that's got to be fun if you if you have the right attitude Yeah, so that book is available wherever you get books. And if you want to stop supporting Amazon as convenient as they may be, we have a bookshop.org account where you can order specifically from a small independent bookstore, a nice sort of different alternative. We'll include that link in the description so you can check it out there. The last bit of news before we officially jump into this episode of Bridgerton is about Bridgerton. Because it's been announced that season three will focus on Colin and Penelope. Book order wise, we were expecting this to be Benedict's season because I think the fans have been demanding it. We're now going to focus on Colin and Penelope instead. So it is a big deal for them to be breaking book order, but we're very excited for the TV order of this because I think that is the story I was most invested in, in seeing next. Benedict, I think he's just still been a very background character. If he is going to be the next season after that, they really need to take season three to kind of start to highlight him a little bit more in a better light because like I don't care for him right now. So (laughs) I'm curious to see what is the catalyst for him to sort of want to get married or, or take things a little more seriously because he is very carefree and just does his life. The books and the shows are two very different entities. Mm-hmm. Like they invent new storylines for these characters. Like people who mm-hmm. weren't important in the books are important in the shows. They're changing everything already. Let's use this as a our jumping off point to dive straight into episode six of Bridgerton, The Choice. Previously on Bridgerton, after a tumultuous weekend of picnics and balls, Anthony and Edwina are officially engaged. Prudence Featherington is engaged to her cousin due to a sham scandal, and the queen is still on her hunt for Lady Whistledown. But I think this is a good jumping off point just to quickly go into Eloise's character, just because she does some sort of un-Eloise things in this Mm. episode. Like, on the one hand, you know, her doing whatever she wants in spite of what people say is very Eloise things to do. But this whole episode is the Bridgerton Sharma wedding. It is the event of the season. The queen is throwing this shindig, paying for it. I can't think of anyone that I like enough, not even my diamond, to like (laughs) host such an extravagant affair. But she's hell bent on beating Lady Whistledown and proving that she still got it and that she can throw a great party. But Eloise ditches the wedding at one point to go visit her new boyfriend, Penelope. Penelope is like, it's dangerous, it's a scandal, and Eloise is sort of like finding for the first time something she likes other than her 
books and and whatnot. In that moment, you feel like this Penelope being like a little too paranoid, but I think she understands the gravity of the situation of what happens if Eloise is spotted with a man of a lower class in a part of town she should not be in. And you can really see when she leaves her brother's wedding, the difference in what they're wearing is just so clear. You know, she is in this beautiful ball gown. She's got this beautiful like shawl around her. She looks so put together and he's working. This whole part of town, they're all like working class people and she stands out. Like, what does she expect? And she's not like Penelope who knows that she's kind of at risk in that neighborhood where if someone sees her, she's not going to go, and then turn around and run away (laughs) as if that's going to cover her tracks. She doesn't think that she has any tracks to cover. Obviously, she's still hiding it from her family. Like, no one in her family knows that she's doing this. So she, I think there is a tiny bit of awareness in Eloise of, like, what I'm doing is not acceptable. But I think she just doesn't care enough she kind of likes the danger and i i I think she feels like she's doing something truly feminist in her mind Mm -hmm. by going and being with the guy she wants and she's got this thing like it's society's problem if they don't like my budding relationship with this guy and she says this to penelope she's like no one's even gonna notice i'm gone like she's sort of under the impression that nobody knows her name nobody cares about her and she's sort of doing this because she thinks she can get away with it and for a while, she is getting away with it. There are going to be implications later in the season. She's going to be like, oh, I thought I was doing something really feminist. And it turns out I was just selfish the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I think to a point, she has been able to get away with it. But also, she is out in season. The fact that she's doing this more and more is going to start to draw some attention. But she also did this on the most scandalous day <laughs> possible. So there's other other things to be worried about for the Bridgertons and the Sharmas on this day. And let's get into the scandal. There is a like very important distinction that we should just be talking about right out the gate about Edwina and Anthony's expectations going into this marriage. Edwina wants to marry for love. It's what she wants more than anything. That's like the whole point of it. She's a hopeless romantic. She wants love in her life. This was a very, by the way, I was thinking so much of Hamilton this whole time. It was a very angelic Eliza situation here. We open sort of on her haldi with um, her mom and her sister and they're rubbing like a, a turmeric mask all over her for beauty. And it was interesting to see the difference between these two like pre-wedding rituals. Like she was getting the haldi and they were talking about like, oh, this is going to be a great wedding. And, you know, Edwina talks about how excited she is for love. And Kate, knowing full well that Anthony has been very open about his desire for a Viscountess, not the love of his life. True love is something else entirely. It is when the rest of the world goes quiet. It is not eyes that meet, but souls that dance. Settle into each other. Make room for each other until there is nowhere else to hide. And then we cut to the boys pre-wedding ritual which is just drinking and billiards and he's like all right i've got the viscountess check that's anthony's like big romantic speech about his wedding the next day the holiday ceremony was very beautiful to see and all was like sharing in this wonderful moment and i did look into it and it's like typically like the groom should also be doing this at the same time with like his smaller group of people you know if anthony were more invested in edwina and actually cared about her maybe that would have been like something beautiful to share too 
but he does not care about this wedding. He is, again, just doing this out of duty. It's almost like he is dreading it, really. He's just like, you know what? I'll just get it over with and it'll be done and then I'll get on with my life. And I love that the brothers are even like, even after you're married, will you remind us of duty? And he's like, yes, that's that's my job. <laughs> and he's really enjoying that. I mean, we definitely see a lot of Anthony... Like, this wedding is coming from a desire to fill, fulfill his duty, you know, which is settling down, having a Viscountess, having kids. He was very open at one point about, like, yes, she will produce the best children for me, and that is why I'm picking her. And I'm like, cool. So it's like a breeding situation. <laughs> that is romantic. Anthony has been pretty open about the fact that he wants to fulfill his duties. He's not ever said the word love one time in the whole presence of Edwina. And she still thinks that he loves her. That is a discrepancy that will only grow larger moving on. Well, it's interesting because like even in the poem confession, like he made it clear like this is for duty. This is why I'm showing up. And she admired his honesty about it. But somehow along the way, she kind of let it evolve into thoughts of love and it's not there. So they are on very different pages, unfortunately. Um, I do love that younger sister Daphne, the Duchess, comes in and, and tries to do kind of one last check on Anthony, just being like, are you sure? Is this the right person? There's still time. And Anthony's like, no, we're, we're past the point of no return. It's the day of the wedding. He has to go through with it again. He's just, they're all just like pushing forward, even though it doesn't feel right. I will say Anthony is, on the one hand, he is being selfish because he's trying to fulfill his Bridgerton duty. But on the other hand, he he doesn't want to scandalize Edwina. Like he, the family has been through a lot of scandal. He doesn't want to cause that. At this point, we're like five minutes before the wedding and it would be... A huge ruckus to just call it off at this point, which I'll admit, when I was watching this the first time, I was like, how are they going to do this? Like, he's standing there. She's walking down the aisle. They're standing in front of each other. I know. I'm like, oh, this is going to happen. I was like, how long are we going to be doing this before the wedding? Because I'm like, he can't marry her and then be with Kate. Like, that was, I was really wondering how this was going to, because we get really far down there. It's torture for him to see Kate walk down the aisle first because he's like, this is what could have been. Even though, you know, we only had like a moment of imagining what it could be like, you know, he's he's kind of already seen his whole life with her. It's really tough to put that out of his mind, even on the wedding day. And Edwina comes out in this beautiful dress. She looks so great. She's so glowy and happy. And this is the day that she's been looking forward to. And, you know, in front of all of society, in front of the queen, like this is a success. Like all they have to do is say two words each. I do, I do. And this is done. But it is kind of like the smallest thing, but also I think Edwina also catching up to everything that she's missed or that she's maybe deliberately chosen not to see. So basically what happens is they're at the altar. Anthony is not there, like emotionally. He has zoned out. He is at one point looking at Kate and not even, <laughs> it's sad because there is a height difference. So he's literally like looking over Edwina and looking at Kate while the, the archbishop is talking. One of Kate's bangles, she's like fussing with it and it comes off this guy because he's not looking into the eyes of his beloved. <laughs> 
stoops down to help her pick up the bracelet. And this is when Edwina kind of wakes up from her little romantic dream and is like, have you been looking at her this whole time? runs away like we've got a runaway bride situation and we're just stunned literally the queen is sitting right there with them now it is devolved into chaos and so edwina runs into her getting ready room mom and kate are short like not far behind her anthony is like stunned standing there and i mean edwina is the first time we've seen her angry she's anything other than like whatever is best for everyone and she suddenly wakes up and realizes the guy she's about to marry doesn't love her. He loves her sister. Her sister probably loves her back. She's been tricked. She's been lied to. I fooled myself into believing you had only the purest of intentions. That your only desire was for me to be happy. And you are no one's fool. That is the truth. Do you love him? What? You told me you hated him. That only meant your feelings. Your feelings were strong. Do you love him? It's really sad. I feel like Edwina realizes for the first time ever that she's never had any say over what's going to happen in her life. I know they're all upset. I know they're all angry. I don't love that Mary Sharma sends Kate away in that moment. I feel like you have two daughters who are hurting and to prioritize one over the other was not the best move. And I think it just made Kate feel even worse. So she flees away into a closet and, you know, she like tears off the bangles and she's crying and she's alone because that's a tough thing is like she's been holding all this burden of like caring for her mom and caring for her sister this whole time. She's had no one to share that burden with or talk to about it. And now in this moment, you know, where she was trying to do everything right, she did mess up in a really big way. But now she, again, she's kind of left to be alone and she has no one to be there for her or be her support system, which is is really tough on Kate. And I feel like it can be exacerbated by the fact that their mom is not technically her birth mother. Like she Mm -hmm. doesn't have any birth parents in this situation. Like Mary has raised her in those moments where she's picking Edwina over Kate. It hurts. Those are moments when Kate's deepest insecurities can just like wound you. Maybe this is just my opinion. I don't think Kate did anything wrong. She didn't do and It's not like she was doing anything with Anthony behind Edwina's back. She was battling her own feelings for him. And she was like, my feeling, she's saying, my feelings mean nothing. Like, we don't technically have anything. There's nothing for her to be accused of. Like, her feelings can be whatever they want as long as she hasn't been acting on them. And she hasn't. And neither has Anthony. We've gotten some very spicy conversations where they get this close to each other's faces, but nothing like happened. I mean, if you were to ask Daphne, she would have a different answer. She would be like, well, you guys were in very close proximity. That means you do need to get married. I mean, that's how the cousin Jack Prudence engagement came to be. Two people mm-hmm. standing close to each other alone. It would have been a different situation had someone other than Daphne seen them together. But there's kind of a few different conversations that are happening as everyone is processing what's going on. First, there is Anthony does go to talk to Edwina. Miss Edwina, I have never wavered in my intentions. Since the first moment of our meeting, it was clear to me then, as it is now, that what we share is greater than all else. And what is it that you believe we share? Our places. Our roles. They align. I as the Viscount, you as the Diamond, neither by our own choice. 
Edwina has that very real question of like, I'm doing this for love and do you love me? And he just says, I understand you. The veil has dropped from (laughs) Edwina's eyes and she finally sees clearly for the first time, like this is what she was really angry at Kate for. She's like, you've been filling my head with all these lies of like true love and all these things and none of it's real. And so she kind of sees that manifested in Anthony now. I love that, you know, she doesn't make any rash decisions though in that moment she kind of takes in all the information and she's like i need to think about this it's a big deal for her edwina because all of these big life decisions have been determined for her she really hasn't needed to think about any of this but now she is and she is wants to make sure she's doing the right thing and being very deliberate about what she does next i'm proud of her for embracing her own agency because She has this moment during her conversation with Anthony, which, by the way, I understand you, is a brutal blow. She also has this moment where she's like, you know what? If I were to walk away from this wedding right now, it would be a massive scandal. But I don't want the idea of this scandal hanging over me for the rest of my life. It's not bigger than the idea of actually choosing this path. It sort of becomes this thing where she's like, all right, I will still entertain the idea of this life with the Viscount, but it's going to be my choice. It's not going to be because I've always been expected to marry a high-born man. I sort of assumed that they would not get married because I feel like, (laughs) why interrupt a wedding when you're just going to be like, all right, guys, sorry, I just had a panic attack. Like, let's redo this. Let's make this happen. And so- I feel like you would just have another panic attack. (laughs) If you were like, okay, fine, we'll go through with it. Get everyone back in the church. Get everyone seated. And then it gets to that moment again and she might be like, actually, never mind. I mean, it's just scandal on scandal. While Edwina is making her choice after her conversation with Kate and with Anthony, the queen is not too pleased because she shelled out for a fancy shindig. She's sort of mad at Lady Danbury because she's like, you're the one who vouched for this family, who brought them into our lives. I get that I named her the diamond, but you have a responsibility here fix this. Lady Danbury and Violet Bridgerton are also like not super getting along because she did know about this secret about the Sheffields that Kate was keeping from everyone. Did not inform Lady Bridgerton whose son is marrying the daughter of the Sharmas. And so they've kind of like not been speaking to each other at the beginning of this. But when the queen is like, I blame you, Violet Bridgerton feels a responsibility as well because her son is involved. They have a a moment by the window where they sort of burst into laughter at how ridiculous it is that the literal Queen of England is breathing down their necks to fix the scandal that really, like, is not, you know, Edwina's the one who decided to run away. Like, they can't change her mind. And so it kind of becomes this thing of like, all right, how do we make the Queen happy here? (laughs) Though it pains us so... Both Lady Bridgerton and I are in agreement that it is up to Miss Edwina to decide her fate. Wow. I did not realize the diamond outweighed the crown. It does not, Your Majesty. And it feels like the Queen is, like, very not on board with this plan, but they're interrupted by the King who walks in. He is in his nightgown and clearly not understanding where he is or even what time it is. He thinks it's his and the queen's wedding day. And Edwina really steps up in this really compassionate way. And she guides him through the conversation of like, 
what a beautiful day it is for you and the queen. You will too, you two will be so in love. I've heard great things about your courtship. And that calms him enough so that the staff can then lead him out of the room. And the queen very much recognizes that compassion in Edwina. And she needs a moment, she goes away. And later when it is just the queen and, and Edwina, I think seeing that moment of compassion really sparks something new in the queen. And she's like, okay, I see what I have. So the decision is now yours, which is a very surprising thing. An hour prior, the queen was very much like, this wedding needs to happen, whether or not they like it or not. But now after that very big moment, she's changed her mind. She's had a change of heart, especially knowing that her reputation is on the line. Lady Whistledown is certainly listening in on things. So she doesn't care about that. She's like, okay, I'm taking this young woman's feelings into consideration and we'll let her decide what she wants to decide. It's almost like there's this moment where like Edwina sort of sees what true love looks like, where like he's an old man, he is like rarely seen by the public and he still looks at his wife and sees like a beautiful bride on her wedding day and is so in love with her and she sees that that lasts even through like his illness. I feel like this is where the episode lives up to its name, the choice where Edwina, at this point, she's looking to choose love and she can like choose Anthony and like grow love together or she can look for someone who will already love her and, you know, their marriage can sort of be cementing the relationship that they would theoretically have instead of hoping my husband would love me one day when I say, like, I love you. And he's like, I understand you. <laughs> and uh, definitely, like, it was a helpful conversation and, and we can at least eliminate the wrath of the queen as a bad thing to happen on this day. Like, we just sort of are worrying about what the ton will say. Meanwhile, we sort of touched on Eloise earlier. So while Edwina is making her decision, Eloise is sneaking off to be with her secret boyfriend. And during her brother's wedding, and, you know, she even says this to Penelope, who tries to stop her, no one's going to notice I'm gone. Like, a huge scandal has already erupted. No one's going to notice if I'm even here. Which, by the way, a guard does overhear the queen's staff. Her eyes are ev- and ears are everywhere. It is sort of a sweet moment between Eloise and Theo because she basically runs to him and is like, but Often, when I read something new or interesting or provoking, it is you who crosses my mind. It is you I would like to speak with about those thoughts. I see. And so I am wondering, you might also have thoughts of me when you think. He goes inside and produces a huge stack of books and is like, I read all of these and I would love your thoughts on them and hands the huge pile of books to her. And she was like, this is literally the most romantic thing of all time. <laughs> and as you mentioned, like the guard seized them. So now there is high suspicions. But also, this was part of the queen's scheme this day too, was she was going to have a footman on every young lady in this party to see what's happening to try to track down and narrow down who Lady Whistledown is. So this is just one of the footmen who's following her and, and sees her, which draws even more suspicion and really narrows it down to one person. <laughs> and the way that this episode wraps up is Kate gets a note from Anthony and Anthony gets a note from Kate asking each other to meet them in the church. Turns out Edwina 
sent both of them the notes and she wanted to be before both of them and give her answer. It's very dramatic. We gotta love the drama. And she basically decides not to marry Anthony because she wants to marry for love. That's something that's really important to her. And he's been open about the fact that he does not love her. So she wants to make her own choice and find her own love. And like moving forward, she doesn't want Kate to protect her so much or to speak for her so much. It's a big moment for Edwina. She's doing something on her own. They both respect her for it. Kate just wants to get to a place where her sister isn't mad at her anymore, but it's going to take some healing and take some time. And Anthony is probably somewhat relieved that he doesn't need to move forward with this wedding that he felt like he had to do out of duty. And then Anthony and Kate are together, alone. No one is around. And they kind of, again, start to get into their arguing ways and... They just can't resist one another. I think before they've been, there's sort of been like this invisible wall between them because they're like, we can't ever cross that line. We can never cross that line. You are engaged to my sister. He's like, I'm a gentleman. I can't cross that line. That line does not exist. There's no line. There's no walls. There's no veils. There's nothing. It's just two single people alone. (laughs) (laughs) Alone. And so they can't help it and they kiss. It is a huge moment. It's momentous because we're 75% of the way through this series and they're just really touching each other and kissing for the first time. And it is glorious. I was so happy. And now we kind of feel like, well, where do we go from here? Because it feels like very obvious that like, okay, great. That's done. Anthony and Kate can be together now, but I don't think it's as simple as that because you have just, your two families have just gone through the biggest scandal of the season. So it's not just like, okay, great. Um, the younger sister is out of the picture. Now we'll get engaged and yeah. and get married. Not Not quite. They're not quite out of the woods yet. Nope. But at the very least, this has been Kate wanting to be a good sister not wanting to get in the way of her sister's hat. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's very Eliza and Angelica. Imagine if Eliza had decided not to marry Hamilton so Angelica could be with him, except he's rich. What's the problem? There is no problem. And so that's how we end. So we don't really know how this is going to... We have to wait until the next episode to figure out how they're going to clean this mess up. Yeah, we have two episodes left to figure out what's going to happen. Tune in next week where we'll be taking a break from Bridgerton and we'll dive back into the courtship episodes five through eight. And then we'll be back to Bridgerton again after that. Keep up with us on social media at The Pemberley and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com.